Across the country, the community composting movement is growing. Small-scale composting provides communities immediate opportunities for reducing waste, improving local soil, creating jobs, and fighting climate change. You're listening to the Composting for Community podcast, where we'll bring you stories from the people doing this work on the ground and in the soil. To support this burgeoning movement, ILSR's Composting Initiative convenes a coalition of community composters from around the country and beyond. These next few episodes feature interviews from our sixth national cultivating community composting forum in New York City. We talk to attendees about why community composting matters, how they are transforming the way their communities manage their waste, and advice they have for fellow composters. We're recording from the 6th National Cultivating Community Composting Forum in New York City, and I am joined now by Michael Robinson, who is the co-founder of Rust Belt Riders in Cleveland, Ohio. He's also an active member of the Community Composter Coalition, which ILSR convenes, and Michael has been a very valuable member of the Coalition Steering Committee for a number of years. So it is our pleasure to introduce you to him today. So Michael, say hello. Hello. And Michael, tell tell our listeners about Rust Belt Riders and how composting fits into your work. Yeah, so um, Rust Belt Riders started about five years ago. Um, Co-founder Daniel and myself, uh, we uh, went to school together uh, in Chicago and we kind of knew each other a little bit then. We mostly had friends that had told us that we would be really good friends and should probably work together because we had similar interests. Uh, but I never really got to know Daniel too well. And then uh, I was on a bicycle trip from Chicago to Philadelphia was the end destination. And we had some equipment issues outside of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of friends that were staying there. He was staying with another friend of mine. Uh, they were living together in Cleveland. And uh, this is after we both graduated. So Dan moved back to Cleveland uh, and I, I went on this bike trip after I graduated. And when the equipment started to, you know, not not come through for us just outside of Cleveland, I gave him a call and they came and picked us up and Dan gave me a tour of the city. And I, I fell in love with with Cleveland. I fell in love with its food. Um, the there was a really awesome you know, community garden infrastructure there, too. There's a lot of uh, properties that formerly had houses on them that now uh, they demoed a house and it's a land bank property. And a lot of those are being used for community gardens um, supported by the OSU extension there. So seeing the support from institutions and also from the communities around taking uh, this land um, and turning it into a place to be able to provide healthy food for, for the communities was re- sounded really awesome to me. So he made a half joke of an offer. We had uh, at the time he was actually working on one of these community gardens and could use an extra set of hands. So he made kind of a half joke of an offer. At the time, there were two people staying in a one bedroom apartment and there was an attic. And he said, if you want to you know, move back in the springtime, because I came through in the fall, he said, if you want to come back in the springtime, we can, uh, you, you know, we could use a set of hands in the community garden and you can live in the attic. And a few months went by and I gave him a call and I said, hey, that attic, is it still available? Can we still do that? And uh, it all worked out. I ended up moving to Cleveland, and um, it was through working on the community gardens, and then uh, we both studied philosophy. So naturally, uh, after graduating with philosophy degrees, we were working in the service industry. So we were working at restaurants, bartending, and saw the uh, we were working at this really awesome restaurant called Spice Kitchen and Bar. It's a farm-to-table restaurant in Cleveland, and they've got a seven-acre farm out in the Cuyahoga National Valley, uh, in the National Park, I mean. So... Working in that restaurant really inspired us to figure out other ways to close loops and 
also seeing how depleted the soil was, uh, it was basically a really tiny layer of topsoil that they put on top of fill for these old vacant lots. So we saw an opportunity to start with a very tangible, it was a very tangible thing that we could take action on to be able to help cultivate healthy soil for these gardens while also solving a a whole bunch of other problems. Uh, We take a systems thinking approach to our work and in kind of considering the places that composting connects to food, it connects to to water retention, uh, it connects to community, it connects to uh, waste diversion from or material diversion from landfills. So decreasing the greenhouse gases that are being given off by the by the landfills, we saw this one really high leverage point in composting food scraps from, from these restaurants and then making sure that those got back to the community gardens to cultivate food for the neighborhood. So we raised some money on a Kickstarter campaign for, from some family and friends, and we bought a bicycle and a bicycle trailer. And uh, we started hauling material 300 pounds at a time from the cafes and restaurants to the closest community garden and then helped work with them to, to process that material into compost. Um, that was, we, we were on bicycles for only about a year or so, and we needed to meet the demand that we saw in, in the city and in our region. So today we haul about 160,000 pounds a month. We run two box trucks, so we're no longer on bicycles. We're, we're running box trucks, and uh, we got a bobcat last year, which was huge for us. Our backs much appreciated and also helped us to increase our processing capacity. So yeah, that's the, you know, the, in a nutshell, the kind of trajectory from starting small scale on bicycles and then kind of scaling to meet that demand. There's a number of programs that we went through, um, incubators, uh, went through Sea Changes, Social Entrepreneurship Accelerator, Jumpstart is a business accelerator in our region. So we had gone through those programs, the 10,000 Golden Sacks, 10,000 Small Businesses program uh, we went through. And it was going through those programs that really helped to people that started this without any lick of business background through the support of our community and these uh, these people in our communities uh, really helped us take this idea and turn it into uh, turn it into a business. So it was really the support of our region, its resources, uh, our awesome advisory board that we pulled together immediately because we knew that we needed to have people smarter than us to be able to help us learn how to do the things that we needed to do to make sure that this had staying power. So now we're doing compost production. We've got soil blends under uh, the name Tilth. So tilthsoil.com is where the soil blends are. And then we've got Rust Belt Riders, which is the hauling company. So Awesome. That's yeah. a great overview of what Rust Belt Rider, or Riders does. And it sounds like you're, you were meant to be in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, your colleague Nathan um, on the It's All About the Soils panel today at the forum was talking about uh, systems thinking when it comes to the soil food web. So it sounds like you guys are integrating that kind of thinking into all of your business. Definitely. That's great. I think that the other thing that I think is really, that I'm really grateful for, and I think we're really fortunate to have met the team that we have. It started out with just Daniel and myself, and then Jesse, Jesse Williams was the first person crazy enough to jump on board with this thing. That was back in the day where we had a we had a 3,600 square foot warehouse that we moved to. So as we grew, we moved to a, it was a warehouse apartment loft, and uh, we moved out of the one bedroom and we're running this out of our apartment, you know, loft space uh, in 
uh, one of Cleveland's old industrial buildings. It was no longer being used like that anymore. And it was, you know, bringing Jesse on. Jesse's amazing and, and again, brings that same perspective to the work. Nathan, same thing. Uh, it, you know, he was doing similar work as we were around the town. And as we continued to grow, he's he's been just an awesome, awesome person to work with. And then Joe uh, joined us uh, most recently. He's a botanist. Uh, Nathan also has a philosophy degree and Jesse has an environmental studies degree. So I think scope and, and this kind of generalist approach and kind of systems thinking perspective and understanding the inter interconnected nature of all of these things, like our team all takes that to heart for sure. And uh, when you're bringing that to, you know, a team meeting where you have everybody kind of plugged into this approach leads to some pretty uh, remarkable solutions to really hairy problems. Yeah, you guys seem like a great team. It's very inspiring to see you all work together. For those uh, listening that might not know what the Rust Belt refers to, can you explain that? Yeah, so the our city has seen a massive population decrease since uh, a number of the jobs that were there uh, aren't there anymore. The We actually drove by the Lordstown uh, facility, which was making all the Chevy Cruises in the world. They just shut that one down, too. And it's, it's I don't know how many people were employed there, but it, it was had to have been near the whole city that was there that was either employed by the factory or some ancillary service of the factory. So the city has the city has land. The city has buildings and infrastructure that aren't currently being used. And we really see that as an asset of our city because now we can take uh, this infrastructure that's left over and this land and think about how we can use a systems thinking approach to solve a number of uh, a number of issues everything from uh, food security to water retention to fight runoff uh, you know, helping to mitigate some of the algae blooms um, we see that as a resource that you know can be leveraged and with this new approach be able to bring a lot of these positive outcomes to a city that, you know, this is actually the 50th anniversary of the Cuyahoga River catching on fire, an event that really spurred the uh, genesis of the EPA. So a city with this kind of like background, it's, it really means a lot to us to kind of help to show that we're trying to use the assets that it has, and there are many, to be able to create a prefigurative model of what a regenerative food system looks like great i mean this is something a model that uh that a lot of cities around the country and probably the world could emulate which i think is very inspiring you know closure abandoned houses and vacant lots and uh, loss of industry and food deserts unfortunately is a are very very prevalent in a lot of places around the world so it's inspiring to see that there are real solutions out there that you can just take action. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do something. And you mentioned the housing. So the uh, we've seen large population decrease from jobs going elsewhere. But also, I think it's important to note that there's one specific neighborhood in our city that is ba basically the epicenter for the 2008 housing uh, mortgage crisis. So that happened on top of like all of this other stuff that was already happening or had been happening for a long time. So mm -hmm. just compounded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, inspiring stuff. So this is obviously not your first time attending the Cultivating Community Composting Forum. What keeps you coming back and what keeps you involved in the steering committee? The energy that I always have after coming back from this event 
it's great because where, especially where we are, there aren't a whole lot of people that do this in our city. So it's, uh, it's really cool to see the communities of people that, that uh, they have their communities in New York City, they have their communities in, in California and L.A. We get lonely, I think, and it's really great to be around a whole bunch of other people that uh, do similar work. And uh, so the energy is, is awesome. And I also think that what we're doing is it's an ecological imperative that we find solutions to these hairy problems. And I think that this group puts as much thought into what they're doing as they do how they're doing what they're doing. And I think that that's what puts uh, one of the things that puts community composters, makes them different from your traditional large-scale composting industries, is we have a big focus on working out workplace democracy, worker cooperatives, what, you know, how, how we do the work and what that means to the people doing the work uh, is just as important as the, the BMPs, just as important as um, you know, the other technical aspects of the work that we do. Uh, so having all these people in one place, um, I'm, I really love the idea of emergent properties one plus one equals a thousand in this case or something magical that we can't even wrap our heads around so if we can bring all of these people together from all over you know the u.s canada and costa rica at least today to be able to get all of those people in a room the emergent properties from that are something that i think we all try to wrap our heads around in the weeks after this conference because there's so many ideas and just evolving uh, methods and approaches that come from everybody just being able to get together, share space, share time. And it's, it's really important that we continue to do that for our movement, but also because this work needs to be done if we want to continue to have a habitable planet. You know, no big deal. Just, uh, just a little pressure. But yeah, it's been pretty amazing just to see 140 plus community composters or people who support community composting in one room. It's been, it's been pretty cool to see people that continue to come back and just the new faces that show up as well. Um, and you sort of touched on this uh, sort of in one of your answers, but what's your elevator pitch sort of answer to what is community composting? I think that community composting distinguishes itself from uh, traditional composting in that we process the material as close to where it is generated as we can. It's also very important that that material goes towards growing healthy food for the communities in which it is generated or as close to the communities in which it is generated as possible. I also think that community composters, uh, they come to their work from a place of social justice, from a place of food sovereignty, from a place of ecology. And I'm not convinced that a lot of the uh, larger scale organizations really take that as seriously as the community composters do. So I, I think those are the, the distinguishing characteristics of, of community composting, keeping it close and also how we're doing what we're doing, not only just what we're doing. Awesome. Any top of mind goals for Rust Belt Riders for the next year? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, one of the great assets that we have is we have land. So we're, our, we process on 500 square feet right now in basically downtown, but we're looking at an eight acre site that's 
you know, probably 15 blocks away. And we're looking at expanding our processing capacity. We want to go after some of the larger producers of uh, food scraps in the region. And in order to do that, we want to be able to have our own processing capacity for that. So we're exploring an eight acre facility that would allow us to go after some of the bigger fish out there and also scale up our composting operations and then soil blend sales. So uh, hopefully we're looking at early 2020 to be able to start to move on to that site, but there's a, a bit of work that needs to be done to, uh, to ramp up to that. So To close things out, what advice would you give a new composter just starting out and what about resources uh, if folks want to learn more about Rust Belt Riders? Yeah. Um, so advice for a new composter. I think our experience has been it's really important for us to take time to explore what you don't know. And having a really good idea of what you don't know allows you to search out the people that do know what you don't know and tapping into this network or bringing together an advisory board to be able to pass those skills along to you um, has been really, really important for our growth is just knowing what we don't know and then uh, seeking out advice from, uh, from some of the awesome people that are out there that are willing to you know, spend some time to help you learn those things. As far as Rust Belt Riders, we've got the, uh, really the tilthsoil.com site is the one where we've got all the soil blends right now. And then uh, rustbeltriders.com is the, the hauling website. Uh, if you want to learn more about the hauling efforts and some of the metrics there, you can find them there. Um, and then we've got the, the Instagram and the uh, Facebook and all that. So all those links are on the website and stuff. Don't you have some sort of soil biology testing? Uh, yeah, so we do offer soil biology testing as well. Um, if there are, we do it for industrial scale or community composters. Um, our approach to making compost is about cultivating a diverse number of beneficial soil microorganisms. And it's kind of a unique approach in that uh, most of the time people are doing mineral testing and stuff like that. Um, but we throw compost under a microscope and go through and count literally the ratios of bacteria to fungi and then uh, search out for beneficial soil microorganisms. So if there's anybody out there that's interested in the biodiversity of their compost, you can send it to us and we'll do a, uh, an analysis for you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Michael, for joining us and thank you all for listening. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Composting for Community podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This episode is produced by myself and Hiba Murray. We'll be back again next month with a new episode. Our theme music is I Dunno from Grapes. Be sure to check out the rest of the ILSR podcast family, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and Community Broadband Bits at ILSR.org.